As you may be aware, uh, I am not Pastor James. Uh, my name is Ricky. I'm the student pastor of uh, 8th through 12th grade here. And just want to say welcome to church. I know there's a lot of sicknesses going around. and got cough and mucus and all types of stuff, but you're here. And so I want to say thank you for coming out. I do want to honor Pastor James and Pastor Cody. Uh, they are actually on vacation right now. Not a family trip, but a vacation. Just themselves getting away and getting some rest for uh, the holiday and the Christmas season. Um, I love Pastor James. Other than my wife, I think he challenged me more than anyone else in my entire life. And he encourages me as well, but he's a really good challenger. And I think he's doing the same thing for our campus. We mentioned these commitment cards and how if you call NLC your home, we all have a next step. Our next step might look different from each other's, whether that's committing to praying or attending or giving or serving, but we all have a next step. But I believe what we're going to talk about today can get in the way of that next step if we allow it. And so what I need you to do is turn to your preferred neighbor of choice and say, today we are talking about being offended. And then turn to the neighbor that you just offended, that you left out on an island and tell them, I love you too. Today we're talking about being offended. Um, if you have your paper Bible with you, we're in Matthew 15. If you have one that glows or charges, that's okay. We're also in Matthew 15 in that as well. Let's read this together. It says, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she said, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. We know that when you speak, it never returns void. And so God, help me get out of the way in your spirit to come. Speaking to this room, I know we all need you in one area, one facet of our life or another. So I pray that you would speak in truth and in grace today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everyone said, amen. Raise your hand. I'm gonna ask for some participation in church, if you don't mind. Raise your hand if you've ever been offended before in your life. If you're not raising your hand, well, you're lying in church. And so I'll let you and God deal with that. Um, I, my daughter and I, about two and a half years ago, were going on our first date ever right here in this room. Uh, we were gonna have a dance and we we're gonna have some food and snacks and stuff. So I wanted to get my hair cut. And um, I went there and I explained what I wanted. And for some reason, a long story short, there was a miscommunication in the process with my hair. Uh, and so the lady began the haircut with a two guard if you're unfamiliar with that, that's basically what this is right here or the fabric of your chair that you're sitting on. That was right here on my head. And so towards the end of the conversation, after I was offended, she said, how do you normally brush your hair, sir? And I explained whatever you would call this right here, kind of to the side, back, you know, whatever. And she said, how do you do that with your hair this short? And I said, ma'am, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I said, my hair has not been this short since I was eight years old. There was something that happened along the way. And so I was offended in that moment. And then I got here to church and my friend named Josh, who Patrick mentioned, he said, man, it looks like you just got out of prison with that haircut. And I was like, sweet. I was kind of offended at that. And someone else told me I looked like 11 off of Stranger Things. And so you got that right there. It's actually not a bad comparison. As I got to looking at the hairline and stuff, I was like, that could be my daughter, but it's not. The one I'm holding is. Um, speaking 
of prison. Did y'all know that Kanye just did like an impromptu show in Houston in a prison, like out of middle of nowhere, went and did a gospel Christian show at a prison. I did not know, this blew my mind. I did not know that K and Caleb stood for Kanye. Like nobody told me that. And it's like, that is so, like that's almost offensive that no one told, I'm just kidding by the way. But some people in our culture are offensive that Kanye is being used for God. Did you know that? I feel like in our culture that if we are passionate about something, if we have an opinion about something, that it's okay to get offended if somebody else disagrees. Like we ought to be offended. If not, then you're weak. Like we have a constitutional right almost to be offended. Men are offended, women are offended, Republicans and Democrats are offended. They're offending each other, they're offending everybody. If you're a Razorback fan, we're all offended at the current state of events. Vegetarians are offended, meat eaters are offended. I was reading this article and I'm not making this up, I promise you I'm not, that there are scholarly people that believe as a country we will ban meat-based metaphors in the future. And so instead of saying, hey, I'm bringing home the bacon, it's going to be, hey, I'm bringing home the broccoli. Or instead of saying, well, you can kill two birds with one stone if you do that, it's going to be, well, you can feed two birds with one scone. And I'm not making that up. You can Google it and you will find it right away because I had to make sure this was real before I told y'all. And those type of offenses are kind of comical to some of us, maybe funny. But the thing is about offense, it's serious to somebody. Otherwise, it wouldn't be an offense. And so for all of us, if the wrong person says the right thing on the wrong day, as Kevin Hart would say, it's about to go down. I've never listened to Kevin Hart. I've just heard of him. Um, <laughs> uh, some of y'all are judging me in church. The thing, the thing is, though, is that you can't see the heart or intentions behind someone's words or actions if you're offended. Like you can't see the bigger picture there. So let me give you an example of my life. My dad, he... He got out of prison in my early 20s and he was in there for quite a while and hadn't seen him in a long time, obviously. And I was invited to go down to the bus stop in Little Rock to see him um, and, you know, just to show grace and courage. And it was one of the hardest moments of my entire life. And my brother and I and my uncle, we decided to go down there and we're at the bus stop. And, uh, and my dad gets off of the bus and I can see him through this window and he's looking in our direction. I'm looking and he doesn't see us. And then he walks around the windows and he comes inside and to my left, there's this long walkway and he's walking down and he's looking like right in the direction of me and my brother, but he doesn't recognize us. And as he gets closer, he's still looking our direction. He's literally looking right at us and doesn't realize that it's us because it's been so long. In that moment, my heart was like, well, I don't even know what to say. And now I don't even know how to act. I was offended in that moment, but it was in that moment that I've realized years later that I was blinded to the bigger picture that God was trying to show me the perspective of the father's heart through the perspective of a son that I needed to have grace no matter if my dad recognized me or not there's been times in my life I didn't recognize God in my life but he still had grace and he still showed up when you're offended you can't see the bigger picture of things and so we need to settle and agree before we get into the text today that if you're offended that's not God's best for your life that is not God's plan. And it's really hard to take that next step in your relationship with him or at work or with your family if you're living in a constant state of offense. So how do we respond? What do we do in a culture of offense? And so what's not encouraging is that Jesus said offense is going to come. Like it's a guarantee that offense is going to come. Someone's gonna write something crazy on Facebook. 
someone's going to take that last TV on Black Friday and you're going to be stuck with a toaster. Like you're going to have offense that comes your way. But what Jesus didn't say is that you have to get offended by the offense. Because offenses and being offended are two different things, right? Like an offense is an action. It's a situation. It is an event. It's something that happened. And Jesus says those things will happen. So another way to say is that an offense is inevitable, but offended is optional. It's your choice. And so for everybody in this room, whether you're a Christ follower or not, I do believe that God has a plan for every single one of us. And quite frankly, it's probably bigger than our minds can comprehend because he's a pretty big God. But I think that we will never be able to take that step, that plan that he has for us, that God won't give us the big things in our life if the small things keep offending us. So what if offenses in your life were present, were there to determine your willingness, your ability to grow as a human, as a Christ follower, as a father, as a daughter, whatever it may be? Could it be that you'll never rise above or go further than your current ability to handle offense? That you'll never be able to go and reach your potential if you are offended. Yet Jesus says, I'm the way and I'm the truth, and there's something about truth that's a little abrasive at times. Hey, your breath stinks. It's like, that's a little abrasive, but it's the truth. Maybe there should be some grace in there, but truth can be a little uncomfortable or offensive, and so it kind of reminds me that Jesus is like toddlers, your in-laws or your ex-laws, hello, um, and also like spandex. Jesus is gonna give you the truth whether you're ready or not. Like, it's gonna be right there, and you're gonna have the option to respond to it. Jesus is a little offensive to the point where I would say, if Jesus has never offended you, you might want to move a little closer to him. When I read things like, hey, become last and you'll be first, it's like, uh, excuse me, Lord, I'm impatient. I don't like waiting in lines. I can't stand traffic. I like buffets. I like being the first one. So I don't really like that verse. Or have no fear, Ricky. Don't have a troubled heart. Don't worry. I'm with you. It's like, but don't you see what I'm going through? Like, don't you see this is not very easy? Or in John chapter six, he is talking to a crowd of people, different backgrounds, probably something like this. And he says, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, then you'll have no life in you. And people are like, what does that even mean? Because when you don't have context, it's also easy to be offended and to not understand the bigger picture. And so as we get into Matthew 15, let's get into the context first. You have this Canaanite woman who is not an Israelite. She's not God's chosen people. And so the Israelites, the Jews, they don't like the Canaanites. They think that they're outside of their city. They don't want them in their country and they definitely don't belong in the kingdom of God. Yet this woman has the courage to walk up to a Jewish man named Jesus, knowing that everybody in his audience and his atmosphere probably hates her. Have you ever had to walk into a room, maybe at work, that your boss is sitting in, or could be a family gathering, a family reunion, and you know wherever you're going, somebody hates you when you get there. That's kind of what's happening here in this story. She's walking into a group of Jews, not knowing what's about to happen. So she had to have tremendous courage to even show up, let alone to ask Jesus for anything. So what made her walk up to him? The answer is desperation. The devil was messing with her kids, said that her daughter was demon-possessed. So she needed answers, she needed a miracle. I think that desperation is important when it comes to our relationship with God. And I'm going through something right now in my life for about two years where 
I have something health issues going on and desperation really right now is my only answer. I've tried medicine, I've tried prayer, I've tried worship, people have prayed over me, like I've tried it all, but I'm learning that desperation could be a weapon in my relationship with Jesus if I allow it, only if I allow it. And so we have this desperate woman and she's shouting out for Jesus and Jesus hears her. And let me show you what Jesus did. Hey, John the Baptist, how you doing, buddy? You know, it's like he didn't, we read in our text right here in 23, Jesus did not answer a word. Jesus didn't respond to her when she cried out, when she shouted out for him. Her, offend, her offendability in this moment is being tested. So where do offenses come from in our life and in our culture? Number one, offenses come from being ignored. Raise your hand if you've ever been ignored in your life. Some of y'all ignore me. Someone raised two hands. It's like we've all been ignored in our life at one point or another. Our daughter's almost three and a half. Um, and we were beginning to trust her to play our, on the other side of the house by herself without adult supervision. Um, but I'm a little insecure as a father sometimes. And so I'll call across the house in a very loud voice, Ellie, come here. Or Ellie, what are you doing? Ellie, are you alive? You know, like trying to get Ellison's attention. And the thing is, I know my daughter hears me. I know I'm being loud enough. It got so bad to the point where we almost took her to the doctor to get her hearing checked because we thought that she wasn't hearing us. Little did we know that our daughter was um, improving in the skill of ignoring her parents. How many parents know what I'm talking about? Like that selective ignore that, and if you're married to, you know, you probably have a husband that might be selectively listening I was offended that the three-year-old that we brought into this world was ignoring me. My mom used to tell me, I will bring you into this world and I will take you out. And it's like, whatever, mother. But now I know what she's talking about. It's like, I, I know you hear me when I'm talking to you. And we, we live in a culture that is obsessed with being noticed. And so when we're ignored, it can have the tendency to hurt a little bit. It's one thing to be ignored by a person, though. Have you ever felt like you got the silent treatment from God? Like you're praying, you're doing all of these things and there's no answer. As humans, we have this tendency when God doesn't answer our prayers in our way and in our timing, we tend to give up. But I just wonder how many of us have missed God's best in our life because we gave up too soon. I think that God, he, he definitely wants to show up in our life, but I do wanna say that he's not a vending machine. It's not like where you put in something and you get something in return and you walk away and you go back whenever you need it again. Like God is about results, but he's more about a relationship and he wants us persistently pursuing him because I believe I've seen in my life that there is power in persistence. There is power in persistence. And we have this woman in our story. She is being persistent, but Jesus is still ignoring her. So his disciples step up and they kind of get in their way and they try to get her to go away. In Matthew 23, it says, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. Everyone say us. Keeps crying out after us. What I get from this is that they're trying to take credit for what Jesus can do. If we go back and look at this, she never talked to the disciples. They're like, they're trying to insert themselves into the conversation. Like they're almost trying to get in the way. What I would say to the church today is that people don't need us. They need Jesus. Number two, offenses can come from us. The people that, that say we're Christians. The disciples were the ones that were close to Jesus. Today, that's us in our culture. Could it be that we're the ones offending people? Like our beliefs 
Our hearts say one thing, but our attitudes and our habits say something totally different. Like, I know God, in your word, you say don't be angry, but why does my favorite college football team consistently, why are they consistently terrible every year and we don't know the answer, we can't figure it out? Or I know in your word it says my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, but I really like that $5 box from Taco Bell. It's like there's this kind of tension there with the truth. It's, it's like I agree with the message on Sunday, but maybe I'll act it out some other day in my life in the future. If you're a Christ follower, we literally bear his name as a Christian. And whether we like it or not, we're the only representation of the church to a people that are in our life. And so the disciples, their actions, their words, their attitudes were keeping this woman from Jesus intentionally almost. I wonder how many of us do the same thing, but we just don't know it. With our actions, our words, and our attitudes. I know for me, I've always had a way with words. My wife um, knows that probably for the age of 10, 11, 12 years old, I was learning to sweet talk the ladies that were in the grades with me. And um, y'all did not laugh, so I will just continue. Um, first service did the same things. So maybe I need to change the joke. Um, but I learned at a young age that I could talk ways into things and I could talk myself out of things. I could help people. I could hurt people. I could build them up. I could tear them down. And we learned early in our marriage that um, arguments aren't always bad. It just has to be constructive. And we've also learned that to not correct the other one in front of other people. Like that's like the worst. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Just us in our marriage. Thank y'all for um, let me know I'm not alone in that. So it always happens in competitive environments for me and my wife. We'll always correct each other around something competitive. So at our leader retreat in July, uh, we were sitting around this big table. It was like extremely late at night. I was ready to go to sleep. It was like 9.15 and we were playing a card game. We were playing a card game and I was explaining all of the rules to all of our closest friends. Like literally our closest friends are all around this table. And every time I said a rule, my wife would correct me in front of them, like with a little bit of animosity, like, no, Google says this, or YouTube says this. And I'm like, babe, we just played this game two weeks ago with some of our students. It worked just fine. Well, it, it kept going on and going on to the point where I was offended so bad. I walked away from the game and went to bed. And my wife came and found me, and what I love about her is that she apologized for what she perceived was something wrong that she did. The thing is about me, I did the same exact thing two weeks ago. We were having breakfast with some of our interns at one of their homes, and we were playing a card game again, or a game, and it was competitive, and I was correcting her in front of the interns, and they could kind of tell something was going on, and I noticed what I did, but because of my pride, I didn't say anything to her. I didn't apologize, didn't ask for forgiveness. So I want to flip this to y'all. Is there someone in your life that you know that you've offended, whether it was right or wrong, and it's unsettled like right now in this moment? If there is, I would encourage you or even challenge you to write that name down. I believe there's power in that, handing that name over to God, saying, God, I don't really know how to handle this. I need your help with that. I think there's power. I believe that God can heal that relationship, that he can restore that but only if we're transparent and honest about it. Can I get an amen this morning on that? So this lady, she's still waiting on Jesus to speak. She's crying out, scripture says. And in verse 24, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. I was sent only to the Israelites, not the Canaanites. And so when I read this, Jesus is saying, I'm not here to save you. And I read that and I was like, this might be the wrong translation. Is this a Ricky translation? Like, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I'd never read that before. 
And I was a little offended about what was going on. And if I was this woman, I would probably feel pretty insignificant as well. That's number three. Offenses come from feeling insignificant. I imagine for most of us in our life, there's been a circumstance or maybe just you as a person, you feel like you're insignificant, that people don't value you the way that they should. It's like, how do I encourage someone with my words when all I hear is negative words all the time around me? Or how do I tell somebody to have a good day when I haven't had a good day in weeks? This woman is kind of in that mindset. I've already been offended by his disciples. Jesus has already ignored me. And in that moment, she could have walked away and no one probably would have questioned anything about it. But instead, she got down and she bowed down and she worshiped Jesus right there in that moment. In verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. Help me. You don't ask for help if you don't need help. Her circumstances were not good. Her daughter was demon-possessed. And so what I get from this is that your circumstances should never dictate whether you're moving towards God or away from God. We're all going to have things that happen in our life, but that shouldn't dictate if we're walking towards him every single day. But when we're offended, we have a tendency to dwell in the past and to get stuck in the past. And if we're not careful, we can even drift away in our relationship with God because we're offended at someone or maybe even him. But desperation and persistence, they cause us to want to take that next step. They want to uh, challenge us in our commitment and in our growth to whatever that next step is for us towards Jesus. And in the church culture, we think that in this posture of worship, whether it's standing up or bowing down, this woman would get her breakthrough in that moment, but we would be wrong. In verse 26, what Jesus says right here is kind of crazy. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So you can imagine this scene, this Canaanite woman has the courage to go. She probably hears from other people. There's this prophet, this man named Jesus. He's doing all these miracles. He's healing everybody. The people that can't see, they can see. The people that can't walk, they can walk. He loves everybody. And she gets there and Jesus ignores her. And she's like, this is the guy that loves everybody? He's ignoring me. So in that mindset, and then... Jesus calls her a dog. Jesus calls her a dog. And again, I was like looking at my Bible. I was like, I don't know what that means. I have to dig into this. Number four, offenses come from being insulted. All of us probably in our life at one point or another have been insulted by somebody. Someone called us outside of our name is what we would say where I'm from. They called us outside our name and it was offensive. But we have to understand the context here, the cultural differences from today to 2,000 years ago. The Canaanites were outside of the Old Testament covering. They weren't included in the promises of God at that time. And the people, the Jewish people, they knew that. The Israelites knew that. And because they were outside of the covenant, they were outside of the house of God. And if you're familiar with dogs, especially in this time, dogs were outside. He's calling her an outsider. He's calling her a dog. And so actually, she might not be surprised to be called this. But there is a little bit of a twist here. If you look into the common Greek word for wild dog, that is not what Jesus used. He actually used the Greek word for pet dog or house dog. So be encouraged, my daughter, you are a pet dog. He's like, he's talking to her and calls her a dog. But there's a difference in a wild dog and a pet dog though, right? Like a wild dog, it, 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 does not have a home, but a pet dog, it has a place to call home. It has shelter. When it gets lost, we even know that dogs will go back home where they're from. 
A wild dog, if it wants a meal, it has to go through trash and leftovers and roadkill to find what, it's, what it needs. But a pet dog, it's going to eat whatever's on the master's table most of the time. And so if you have a dog and you're having pizza tonight, your dog's probably going to have a little bit of pizza, right? Or if you have steak, your dog might even get a little bit of the bone later on after the steak is finished. I think somewhere along the way, this lady, this woman realized the tone in Jesus's voice and said, you call me a pet dog. All the other Jews, they call me a wild dog. And she says, hold on a minute. And 27 says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What I get from this is it doesn't really matter in life of who the dog is, but it matters of who the dog's master is. Life has nothing to do with what the world calls you, but life has everything to do with what the master calls you. And so if the Lord of creation calls you a son of the king, then you are a son of the king. If you are a daughter of the king, then you are a daughter. It doesn't matter what anyone else says in your entire life because sons and daughters get to partake in with whatever is on the master's table. And in his word and every day he has promises, he has a big plan, a big calling for us as individuals and as a campus and as a church. But we have to decide for ourselves. Are we going to allow offense to hinder our ability to take that next step? Our greatest example, if we look at Jesus, in the moment that he was on the cross, at that time in history, every offense that you have ever done, that we have ever done, including myself, that mankind has ever done was on him at one moment. You talk about wanting to be offended. In that moment, he could have been, but he was not. He did not let the offenses offend him. Matter of fact, at that moment, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And at that moment, a miracle began to happen. Jesus began to defeat death. He began to defeat sin. And in verse 28, Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Somebody, you need to hear that today. You have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. I believe that we all have something in our life where God is the only answer, whether that is a healing, whether that's somebody that you know, whether it's you, whether it's your finances, whether whatever it is, I think that we all have something where God is the answer. But we may ask, when does that miracle occur? How do I take my next step if I'm in a fence? If there's fences coming my way, how does whatever I need in my life happen? I believe it's at that moment when you choose to get over your offense. We see that here in our text. And what I'm saying, and what I'm not saying is that your offense is not a big deal. I would never say that. Cause there's times where I've had offense in my life and they're really big deals and they really hurt. And to your offense, there might be real pain and real hurt attached to that. I'm not saying those words didn't matter. I'm not saying what happened doesn't matter. But what I am saying is that we all have a choice, that we all have a decision to make when it comes to that offense. Because offense is an event, offended is a choice. Whatever comes our way, we have a choice to make every single time. Am I gonna be offended by this or am I gonna allow this to grow me? 
if you don't mind, all across the room, let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads, let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And right now in this moment, Lord, I just ask that you would help us to be transparent with you, to be honest with you, to be real with you. Just to expose our hearts, Lord, to your heart and what you would say to us. If there's anybody in this room and you've been having a hard time with offense and being offended, maybe it is something that someone said or something that someone did. But right now you don't wanna carry it anymore. You know that there is truth that Jesus took the cross for that, right? So shame on us if we keep carrying that thing that was never meant to be ours to carry in the first place. If you're here and you wanna hand over whatever offense that is to God right now, no one looking around, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? Hands up all across the room. Thank y'all, thank you, thank you. Lord, for every hand that was raised and every heart that was positioned towards you, Lord, God, take those offenses and break them off of us in Jesus' name. God, I can speak for me and probably most people in here, we're not strong enough to do this on our own. We need you. We need your presence in our life to help us not be offended by the things that people are trying to offend us with. Lord, we're aware the enemy has a plan for us, but we're not gonna buy into it and be offended. Lord, if there's anyone else in here like me that has a hard time saying sorry when they offend people, would you speak to them right now, Lord, and help them just to swallow their pride and to be real? to say sorry to whoever, whoever needs to hear it. But most importantly, Lord, is this next part. If there's anyone here, and maybe you've made a decision for Jesus at one point in your life, but for whatever reason, you got off track, you were offended, you got distracted, you got busy, whatever the reason may be, but you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus this morning. Or maybe you've never given your life to God, but you feel something different right now in this moment. Can I tell you that's God's presence? And he's speaking to you right now. Christians, you're praying across the room for this moment. If you're here and either one of those two people or you, you've dedicated your life and you've gone astray or you've never given your life to Jesus, but today you wanna make him the Lord of your life with no one looking around. Would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? And as soon as I see your hand, you could put it right back down. Just wanna see who I'm praying for. I got you, buddy, thank you. Thank you. I'm not gonna rush this moment. God, thank you for your presence here. Lord, thank you for everyone that's already a believer, but we thank you for the hands that were raised right now. You know, his word says our hands doesn't, doesn't get us saved, but our heart and our mouth does when we confess that he is our Lord and Savior. And so right now, if you just raise your hand right there where you're at, just loud enough where your ears can hear yourself say this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I know my sin separates me from you, but I know that you died for my sin and you beat death and you beat the grave. And because of that, your Holy Spirit's on the inside of me right now. Help me to live for you every day, to not be offended, to walk in truth and grace by your spirit. Help me to be like you. Lord, we thank you Again, for your presence, I pray that we would never, ever take it for granted. We thank you for your word and how it is a sword at times and it's graceful at other times, Lord, but it's always applicable to our lives. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. 
Amen.